Okay, welcome back to the, I don't know what we're calling it, it's a podcast, <laughs> and we have a very special guest, Mr. Secretary Jay Ashcroft. Hey, thanks for having me. Great intro, although I thought you might have changed it over the Chiefs these days. Yeah, yeah, great, great time to be a Chiefs fan. Well, thank you for being here, Mr. Secretary, and we're going to talk just basic facts about the IP process because it has turned out to be a topic that we're all talking about. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Uh, initiative petition reform has been at the top of every conversation in the Capitol for several years. Can you just walk us through the IP process just as a basic primer? Right. The IP process, thanks, is just direct democracy. It is a process that allows uh, really anyone to file a constitutional or statutory change with the Secretary of State's office, and if they go through the entire process, that change then gets voted on by the people, it bypasses the legislature, it bypasses the governor. Uh, so the normal process is someone, let's just go with a constitutional change, because that's okay, what people yeah, let's normally talk constitutional do. constitutional first. Uh, people will file uh, the article, whatever, section, whatever they want to change, so they will uh, file with our office that change, exactly what it was, how they want to change it. You, you've seen it with bills, mm-hmm. obviously, that you all you all pass. Our office will look at that to see that it meets the requirements for form, and you know it's understandable what's being changed in the new stuff and the old stuff. We will then send that off to the state auditor, who will prepare a fiscal note that's designed to tell the people of the state if this were passed. How would it affect revenues? How would it affect expenses, Mm -hmm. state level, political subdivisions? We will then write a 100-word summary that's supposed to be concise, comprehensive, and non-biased about exactly what would happen or what could happen if this change were to occur. That fiscal note summary, that that, uh, ballot title that we write, gets sent to the attorney general for the attorney general to look at to make sure that they meet the law. Once he agrees they do, we get those back, we certify them, we hand that off to the people that filed the language with us, and they now have to go collect signatures across the state. Okay, how many of these are you getting every cycle? We're right, I think we're just under 180 right now, around 176, somewhere there. Lots of different ideas, people come to you, there's a little box in your office, they submit it, and then you have to go through that process that you just... We go through that process, and it's really difficult for the lower political subdivisions. So every county and city has to be looking at those to see if they will affect them and to make sure if there's an effect to them that they let the state auditor know so that the people can know, if you'd pass this, Mm -hmm. it's going to cost your municipality this much, it's going to cost them this many amount of hours, that sort of thing. And then generally, how long does that take from someone dropping it in your box to collecting signatures? Uh, the ability to collect signatures from dropping in the box is about 45 days. Uh, okay. Frequently, though, there are lawsuits, and that can really change the timeline. Okay, so you're, we're talking it has to go to the auditor, it has to go to the attorney general, the, the counties have a say. Okay, and then collecting signatures. Can you remind us what what is its congressional districts, numbers? <laughs> yeah, under the is. Constitution, you have to collect signatures from two-thirds of the congressional districts. Okay. Since we have eight congressional districts, that means six of the eight congressional districts. It runs out to, depending on how you do it, which district you choose, mm-hmm. about 175,000 signatures are required. Total? Uh, total. Okay. And what the basis is for each congressional district that you collect in, mm-hmm. you need at least 5% 
of the number of people that voted for the governor in the last election mm-hmm. for the governor to sign that initiative petition. They all have to be registered voters of the state of Missouri for their signatures to count. Okay, and you have to do it five out of eight congressional districts. Six of eight, sorry. Six of eight. Can you ignore two then? Or You can ignore two. Okay. Um, the difference comes in with a statutory, it's only 5%. Mm-hmm. With the uh, constitutional, it's 8%. Okay. So if you do do a statutory, you don't need quite as many signatures. Okay. If you do constitutional, you need more. And I... When I said 170,000, that 170, 175,000, that really applies That's to constitutional. constitutional. Sorry. Uh, you would need fewer for statutory. Yes. Uh, and again, for statutory, can you? it's just six out of eight congressional districts? Yes. Is that what typically happens? They just ignore two, two of the congressional districts? Uh, generally speaking, they do. Okay. There are some initiatives where to show strength and kind of as mm-hmm. a, as a campaign beforehand, they want to show that they had support in all of them. Okay. A term that's continued to be talked about is uh, concurrent majorities. What what does that mean to you? Uh, the idea of a concurrent majority is that it's not just 50% plus one, but that that uh, majority approval has to be across the state. So you have to win the overall election by 50% plus one, but then you have to win a majority of political subdivisions, be that um, you have to win a majority of the vote in a majority of the congressional districts mm-hmm. or a majority of the Senate districts or a majority of the House districts. It's designed to make sure that it's widespread, not just in numbers, but geographically. Okay. And then in, under that concept, you could you get 50% in the state and then you would need five of eight congressional districts, as long as we have right. congressional districts. Could you have nobody voting in three of the congressional districts then? Potentially you could. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't see why people wouldn't get out and vote. Yeah. Um, and really, it's the proponent's responsibility to campaign and get people to want to vote for whatever mm-hmm. their change is. Okay, so we have that. And then many of the bills uh, talk about expanding signature collection to House and Senate and congressional districts. Can you walk us through that concept? Well, right now under the Constitution, the signatures have to be from congressional districts. So if you're looking at, uh, well, like the third district, you can maybe get all or almost all of your signatures from just one county in St. Charles County. Um, So there are some people that would say, if we're going to be doing it, we want to make sure they're not just concentrating on, say, six counties in the state. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that they're going around the state to collect those signatures. Okay. Just, again, getting broader consensus. Yes. Since we are changing the Constitution. Um, And then what is the final date that the General Assembly would need to TAFP uh, joint resolution for it to go on the June August and November ballots. Um, the date we, we we really like to have ten weeks before an election. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, the, the our guideline. That's how our really our templates are set up to make sure that we can have ballots on time. But as a legal matter, uh, the Constitution gives the governor to call a special election at any time he wants prior to a November general election. Okay, for one of these. So if on the last day of session, the General Assembly passed a joint resolution and the governor said, I want it on June would be tough because we have about two weeks. There's nothing stopping him from saying, I want a July 4th. No, Um, Uh, we really need 
eight weeks okay. before because we need to send out absentee ballots, especially mm-hmm. to military overseas personnel and make sure okay. that they have enough time. And it takes about two weeks to print the ballots mm-hmm. and verify that they're correct. So practically speaking, you need about eight to 10 weeks from the time we pass it. Yes. But if the governor says, I want it done, we have a constitutional obligation to find a way to make it happen. Okay. But you as the Secretary of State need about 10 weeks. We would appreciate that, please. If there was a (laughs) June election, how would that work and what would be the cost? Or like you said, could if we passed it in May, could we do a June election? I I really don't think we could do a June election in May. I think it would have to be at the latest, the beginning of April. To really make that work, okay, um, and of course the election—if that would require the governor to call that mm-hmm. a special election—if there's just one thing on it that the state is paying for statewide, is going to cost roughly ten million dollars. Does the governor get to just pick where he wants it? Yes, the constitution gives him uh, all authority to just call a special election whenever he wants, as okay. long as it's before the November general election. Okay, so if we pass it in May, he could put it on the August or November, and that's completely up to the— Doesn't even have to be Tuesday, although okay. we like Tuesdays for elections. <laughs> okay, because I thought there was some, like, when we pass it, it kind of puts him into a—but he, he gets to choose. Yes. It's good to be the governor. <laughs> uh, and you said it would cost—each one of these things costs $10 million? Roughly, yes. Okay. And then would an HJR that we pass need an emergency clause? No. Um, uh, A joint resolution that's passed, this is all actually based on what the Constitution says. The Constitution specifically says that they go to the November general election and then a separate section specifically gives the governor the authority Mm -hmm. to call a special election whenever he wants. So there's no emergency clause necessary. Okay. And the governor can't say, we'll just put it on the next April one. He can't do that. No, he can't push it past the November okay. general election. But the, the latest he can do is November. Right. Okay, see, I, I learned something today. <laughs> I always thought there were some constraints on the governor, but the governor can do it whenever he wants. Uh, if an HJR passed, and the, this, is, this is the question that we're all wondering about, if, the gov- if an HJR is passed and the governor puts it on the August ballot and it passes, how does it affect the HJRs on the November ballot? Um, under the Constitution, any constitutional amendment takes effect 30 days after the election. So uh, anything that happens 30 days after a constitutional mm-hmm. amendment is passed, that constitutional amendment holds precedent. So any changes made in the Constitution would apply to anything that happens. So if you pe- put this on the ballot, it passes in August. Mm-hmm. It applies to everything that's going to be on any election 30 days after August. Okay, so let's say there's a... Um, IP process going on right now is to make mandatory pizza parties in all in elementary schools um, in the state of Missouri. Please They're, don't suggest that. Yeah, well. <laughs> don't give anybody the idea. <laughs> yeah, don't get any ideas out there. But they're collecting signatures for it right now. They're, they, they, they're working under the old rules. All the signature collection is the same. And then uh, let's say in August we pass uh, something that says you need 55% or you need uh, multiple congressional districts, and the pizza party language goes on in November, it will be under the new rules Any constitution, Any constitutional change will apply to it. If there were a statutory change that the legislature passed, I don't think that it would apply to initiative petitions that were already collecting signatures. Oh, so there is a distinction between IP and statutory on when it 
takes effect. This is a guess, educated guess, based on the courts. Um, Since the Constitution already says, gives that timeline for implementation, uh, that's that's something that's kind of baked into the recipe, if you will. Uh, If someone is already collecting signatures and then you you change the signature collection regime, I think the court would say, wait a minute, you can't retroactively change that on them. But with regard to the implementation of uh, amendments, the Constitution just says quite clearly 30 days. Interesting. And then um, can a a court later say that our IP – can they? It, can it be changed? What's the process there? Is it yeah. Court, well, state? Um, state court is not allowed to to should not be allowed to change the language of the IP. Uh, courts have tried to change, like the the ballot title, uh, the synopsis. Um, I think that there is greater protection when the legislature writes their ballot title than when the Secretary of State's office does because the Constitution specifically gives the legislature the authority to put things on the ballot. Um, I do not have as much confidence in our courts as some people do, um, and it may be that the time is coming when the executive branch and the legislative branch have to stand together and say that's not what the Constitution says. Okay, so there's room, room for improvement there. All right, well, this has been enlightening. Let's just kind of summarize for the people listening. Um, there's an IP process, and uh, it can change the Constitution, and then you can change the laws, right. statutory. Uh, there are different signature requirements, the amount of signatures you have to get for both. But you still have to get it in two-thirds of the congressional districts. Right. Um, the statutory requires what percent? Statutory requires 5%, 5% of the people that voted for governor in the past gubernatorial election. Okay. Uh, Constitution requires eight. Okay. And then uh, t- someone submits it. Uh, you, your office, just the whole process takes about 45 days. Yes. Then they begin the s- signature collection process. Um, when do the signatures have to be collected by to go on the um, August ballot? Um, all signatures are due. And I'm sorry. I should have checked the date on this right around May 13th. I don't have my calendar to count weeks. Okay. It's right around, uh, the first two weeks of May is when those signatures are due to go for August, uh, for any, for For any any of that year. Yes. Okay. Uh, any, all initiative petitions that they want to get on the, the ballot have to be turned in by that date. Okay. If the governor says he wants, a certain change on an earlier election, earlier than the mm-hmm. November general election, then we will prioritize the signature verification on that uh, one or multiple positions. Okay, and what what is that like? The signature verification is it <laughs> um, people doing it? Is there machines? it is it is done by individuals. Generally speaking, it's done by uh, local election authorities. So county clerks are doing that. Okay. Sometimes boards of elections they hire temporary workers. We have uh, digitized the process, so now we're no longer sending around hundreds of bankers' boxes of documents. When when an initiative petition is given to us, the first thing we do after uh, there's a little bit of logistical mm-hmm. is your is the IP language attached to it? Did you turn it in correctly? But as soon as we're done with that bookkeeping, if you will, we then scan and digitize every sheet of those so we can send them out electronically. We have an application that we've set up for computers so that clerks and other people can verify the signatures on their computer okay. screens. So it's the county clerks yes. checking this because you ha- they have your signature on file. There, there is the ability for our office to use uh, 
random sampling uh, under the law to check for this. Um, we have done that once while I've been Secretary of State. The governor requested that an initiative petition be moved to the August ballot. And because of timing, uh, that was during 2020, and we had a, the municipal election had been moved to June. So we went ahead and did that to make sure that we could meet the constitutional responsibility of the governor. Interesting. Okay, and then on the uh, on the cast, we always like to ask a, a few fun questions to end the day. Um, okay, so you're a Jeff City, you're a Jeff City guy. Yep, born and raised. Okay, so here in town now, where is your place to eat besides Echo, of course? You know, uh, if I'm just going with my wife, I love to hit like the the Brick House. Okay. It's a great old style deli off of Edgewood. Uh, Never heard of that. So, uh, but it's a great sandwich place, great salad, really wonderful owners. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm kind of boring though. My favorite place to eat is at home. I, yeah, with all the travel yeah. I do, I like being home. I had a great split pea soup last night. Do you cook? Your wife cook, or you just bring in food? Uh, my wife generally cooks. I am not a very good cook. Uh, if it's spaghetti or something yeah. simple like that, I can do it. But otherwise, she's the maestro. And uh, what did you get your wife for Christmas? <laughs> I got her one of these. Uh, fancy highfalutin coffee latte makers. I, uh, I, I hate the idea of someone going to Starbucks and spending so much money <laughs> yeah. on coffee. Yeah. So I got her a nice one and said, the deal is you don't go out and pay five bucks or whatever it is for coffee, yeah. make it at home. She's a coffee drinker. She is. She's never understood the fact that I don't drink coffee. You're not a coffee drinker? Nope. Never started. Okay. And most then... people think I don't need more caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What, what, what kind of machine was, what, what it's, are we talking uh, about here? It's, it's like she's foaming it's got the milk the herself, okay, and it grinds and the beans, okay, and, and then it does a like little stamp squirt, the grounds down or something. The, yeah, okay. She she does need to work on her latte art. I will say that. Does she? Does she like it? She loves okay. it, okay. Um, and she says that her latte art would be better, but she just likes having lots of foam on her yeah. cappuccinos or okay. americanos. Or I, I don't even know the difference between them all. <laughs> all right. Well, that actually sounds very good. And thank you for bringing donuts to the office this morning. Really appreciate it. Thank you for talking with us. This was pretty enlightening. I did learn some things, and uh, good luck in the rest of the year. Thank you. Thanks for having me.